The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome, Ecclesia. It's so good to be with you. Would you let me pray for us really quick? God, we are so grateful to be gathered in this way all across this city, all across this globe. And regardless of whether we're sitting by ourselves or we're gathered with others that we love, will you help us wake up to the fact that we're not alone, that you are with us, that you are in this space, in this time with us, that you've been there the whole time. And so God, we ask that you would wake us up, that you would in these moments speak into our lives, that as we worship, as we sing, as we give, as we meditate on the scriptures, that you would be with us and transform us, that you would refresh us, that you would make us new, that you would help us reimagine our lives and what's possible for the world. And we pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, welcome. Please continue to worship with us.
Yeah.
the time that we get to bless the kids in our community and in our lives. So if you have children in your home or special children in your life, um, I invite you to think of them now as I read this blessing over our kids. Beloved child of God, may God bless and watch over you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God show you kindness and grant you peace. May you always know you are deeply loved and valued for being who you are, just as you are. We love you, Ecclesia kiddos. Now, would you join me in this offertory time? Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hello, Ecclesia. So good to be with you wherever you are in the world today. If we haven't met in person, my name is Wayne, and I'm the campus pastor of Ecclesia on the west side. We've got three big updates for you this week. First, we wanna to continue to make sure that you're aware that we are gathering in person, indoors at both our downtown and our west side campus every Sunday morning at both 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And it feels like there's some energy and momentum building in those gatherings. It's been so good to see so many of you in person to have coffee together and catch up, uh, to see your kids. Uh, and we wanna make sure that you know that that's there. We also wanted to let you know that uh, we are no longer requiring any kind of registration for that. It's just open and you are welcome. If you wake up and decide you wanna come, we would welcome you. 
uh, and we can't wait to see you there. So every Sunday morning, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., we're here online. You can also come in person. Can't wait to see you there. Next, I want to let you know about something that we're doing every week that's an amazing contemplative practice and helps us explore all kinds of spiritual disciplines and reestablish great connections with God. It's something we do virtually uh, on Zoom and it's called Be Still. It's every Tuesday at 8 p.m. You can find information about this and you can register for that to get the link to join us on Zoom at ecclesiahouston.org slash groups. Uh, believe me when I say this will be a breath of fresh air in your rhythm if you add this into your, your weekly rhythm. We hope to see you there. Can't wait, ecclesiahouston.org slash groups for Be Still. And then lastly, this one we've been working on for a while and I can't tell you how excited I am that it's finally coming. But when we transitioned to online, uh, one of the things that we started to hear so often from people all across, across the world was how great the music was and how much they wanted to be able to listen to it in their car or in their home or on the best speakers in the house. And so I'm so excited to tell you that our uh, music team, audio team, they've put together a project and we're gonna be releasing an album on August 6th where you can begin to download and listen to this amazing music that we worship with on Sundays and you can find it on any streaming platform. Uh, we're calling it Live Sessions. Uh, so it's gonna have a very, um, not quite a studio feel. It's gonna be much more Ecclesia where it's like, it's raw and it's human and, and it's there. But I can tell you, it's gonna be a gift to you and anybody else. So stay tuned, check your preferred music platform for August 6th for Ecclesia's Live Sessions. And then lastly, Ecclesia, uh, it's been a gift to, to have these video series where we talk about what it means to reimagine our lives. And so I just wanna invite you to take a pause, take a breath as we enter into the scriptures together and we begin to reimagine what our life looks like. Ecclesia, we love you. We can't wait to see you in person. God bless. Good Shepherd, Ecclesia, good to be here with you all. As we're in this conversation, of reimagining life after COVID. You know, it's been a long stretch for a lot of us. I want to invite us into a conversation of reimagining our relationship uh, with time. And so to begin, why don't we do this? If you're watching this with a group of friends, or maybe with your family, maybe turn and discuss. Or maybe if you're alone, just contemplate in silence. The question I want to ask, when we think of time, do we use time or does time use us? So think about that. So before COVID, what was your relationship to time? What would be some words you'd use to describe time? And then how did time make you feel? And do you think before COVID, did you use time or did time use you? And then last March, 2020, the world broke. It came down like a sledgehammer and our lives, our relationships, everything kind of stopped in time. So during COVID, 
What words would you use to describe time? Did it change? How did time during COVID make you feel? You know, it's interesting being back here in New York City. Um, I was actually in New York, March 12th, 2020. I was in Soho at the Donald Judd Foundation. I was on a tour and I remember being right in his bedroom, like the exact place, I can still feel it. I can see the light coming through the windows. I was standing between the Oldenburg light fixture and his, the bed that he used to sleep on. And the tour guide, she seemed a little distraught and she said, um, excuse me, so this tour is gonna be the last tour indefinitely. New York City just shut down all their public spaces and their museums. And I remember hearing that, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Like the world, our lives, it's about to change. And so I remember the next morning I woke up uh, on the news, the advice at that time last March, March 12th, 2020, on the news they were saying, definitely do not wear a mask. So later that day, I boarded a maskless packed plane. I had a middle seat. I was surrounded by people and I'm like, oh my God, I have COVID. I didn't, but I went back to Austin. I quarantined for two weeks, shut myself in my house. At the end of the two weeks, the city of Austin shut down. And I remember those six weeks being so disorienting, jarring. I didn't see anyone for six weeks. I wandered my neighborhood, Hyde Park in Austin, feeling lonely, isolated, and as I wandered those streets, I asked a question that I've heard many people ask during COVID. What is time? Like, what, what does time even mean? What is our relationship to time? And so as we prepare to reenter the possibility of a post-COVID world, Let's reimagine time together. So the question I'd like for us to consider is how will we use time? Not what will we use time for? You know, we have different jobs, different stages of life. We live in different cities. So not what, but how. The energy by which we use time Will we reimagine it? And so the text we're in this morning um, is Matthew 25. And Jesus tells this story and he starts it off by saying this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Or we could say life to the full will be like this. Or I like the word aliveness. Being alive now will be like this story. That's what Jesus is saying. So in the story, there are 10 bridesmaids. And so being a man in 2021, I feel less comfortable commenting on bridesmaids. So for our purposes, let's just say five, uh, 10. 
a groomsman. So in the story, the groomsmen are given a description. Five are wise and five are unwise. The original word for wise in the Greek can be translated, I like this translation, as mindful. So you could say in the story, five are wise, five are unwise, five are mindful, and five are mindless. Five are aware of that ongoing incessant chatter in their minds, and five were unaware of that constant chatter in their minds. And so as we ask this question, how will we use time? Ecclesia, Good Shepherd, will we use our time mindlessly, or will we use it mindfully? Eckhart Tolle says it like this, the mind which has incredible momentum will drag you along like a wild river. So in 2008, uh, Eckhart Tolle was being interviewed by Krista Tippett in her podcast on being. And he tells the story of how he became aware of his mind, the chatter, the thoughts. So he said many years ago, he was a college student and he would ride the train to college every day. And he noticed this one woman that was on the train and he noticed her because every day she would incessantly have an out loud conversation with no one. She was just saying all of her thoughts out loud. She was having, like, she'd be a little angry. She was arguing. And so day after day, he would see her and he'd recognize her and just listen to what she was saying to nobody. And then as he watched every day, he had two thoughts. His first thought was, like, where is this woman going? Does she have a job? <laughs> Has someone hired her? And then his second thought was, I hope I never become like her. And he, as he thought those thoughts, he made eye contact with the guy sitting across from him. And he realized he said that thought out loud. And he goes, oh, I'm not that different from this woman. I have the same ongoing conversations and chatter. I just don't say them out loud. And he said on that day, he became aware of his mind. He started becoming mindful, where before he was unaware of his mind. He was mindless. And so Tolle says, the mind which has incredible momentum will drag you along like a wild river. And so what, what would it look like, friends? If just for a couple seconds a day, a couple minutes, we stepped out of that wild river of our mind. You know, my wild river kind of looks like this. Sometimes I find myself reading a book, and it's a great book. I'm into the characters, I'm into the plot, and I'll have turned like 10, 20 pages, and I look down and I realize I've lost the story. I have no idea what's happening. For 10 to 20 pages, I was just turning pages when I was actually in the wild river of my mind. 
Or I found myself on a Zoom call, like many of us during COVID, brutal, right? Maybe the hundredth meeting. I'm three hours in, I've got it on mute, and God knows where I am, and then they throw the question back to me. So what do you think, Gideon? And I realize I have no idea what the topic is, what anyone's saying, because I've been in the wild river of my mind. I remember when my boys were young, you know, I'd snap out of something, and they're standing at my, beside me, going, dad, 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 dad. That somehow I had trained them that they have to say dad 10 times because dad is often in the wild river of his mind. And so friends, what if just, you know, a couple times a day, just here, take a moment there to step out of that wild river of our mind. And so maybe a spiritual practice here, what if we started a wild river journal? So let's try it right now. So if you got a piece of paper and a pen, just take it out. Maybe you want to start a note on your phone. And just take a deep breath, take a deep breath in. Breathe out. And just stay with your breath. Breathe in. And breathe out. And keep your eyes open. And just notice when a thought comes, jot it down. What am I gonna have for lunch? Okay, jot it down. Did I turn off the oven? Jot it down. And what if we just kept this journal to become, to begin, to become aware of the thoughts, the wild river that takes us away from actually being here and alive. And so in our story, we've got five wise, five unwise, or five mindful, and five mindless. So as we pick up the story, I kind of imagine uh, this, the wedding to be like this. So you've got this bride, and she's got this incredible vision for her wedding. I imagine it's an outdoor destination wedding, maybe in the backdrop of the Tetons in Wyoming. So everyone's staying in cabins and friends and family are there. And then you've got this one cabin that's just for the groomsmen. And so her vision is this, the sun's gonna set, dusk is gonna hit, and then the groomsmen are gonna come out of the cabin carrying these lit lanterns with the backdrop of the Teton Mountains, utterly gorgeous and romantic. So you imagine the groomsmen in this cabin, their job isn't complicated. They don't have to do flowers, they don't have to do seating arrangements, they don't have to be an usher. The only job they have is to keep a lit lantern. That's it. So you've got the five mindless. They forget their oil. And so their lanterns aren't lit. And imagine these five mindless sitting in the dark. And then you've got the five, five mindful, they remember their oil. And so they're sitting in the light of the moment. Five in the dark, five in the light. And so as we ask this question, 
How will we use time? How much of the time do we bask in the light of the moment, in the light of this moment? So let's try an experiment. So right now, keep your eyes open, take a deep breath. And as you breathe out, ask, I wonder what my next thought will be. And when you ask that question, the thought doesn't come right away, actually. So just ask, what will my next thought be? And then just be in the room. Notice the lights. Don't label it or name it or judge it. Just experience it. Take a deep breath. What do you smell? Just experience it. Don't name it, don't label it. Maybe touch the chair you're in. Feel the toes in the ground beneath you. Just be in the room. And ask, my next thought will be, and often the thought doesn't come right away. So my next thought will be, and that space, that space is the light of the moment. How often are we there? What percentage of our day are we not thinking, labeling, judging? Just present to the light of the moment. You know, in 2010, um, one of my favorite artists, Marina Abramovich, she did an installation here in New York City uh, at the MoMA, and it was called Artist is Present. And Maybe some of you in New York, maybe you went to the installation. If not, there's a great documentary that you can watch. And her performance was for three months, and it was so simple, yet deeply profound and physically excruciating. So what she did for eight hours a day, for uh, three months, almost 90 days, a thousand visitors would come in every day and she would simply sit in a chair behind a desk and then across from her was another chair. And she would sit and simply bask in the light of the moment. That's it. But for minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, month after month, and then visitors would just sit in the chair across from her. And you can see, and you can watch the documentary, how powerful the intensity of her just being present the moment, day after day, week after week. And people would step into that chair and the intensity would be palpable. It was like they were ushered into the light of the moment through her and people would weep they would start crying. It was so intense just to be in the light of the moment. And so Good Shepherd, Ecclesia, what if we did that? What if we used our time to bask in the light of the moment? What if we bask in the light of the moment 
of a difficult conversation. It's uncomfortable, but you're there for it. What if we were to bask in the light of the moment of a joke of a friend? Just to be present to the joy in that laughter. To bask in the light of the moment. Maybe of your pet just sleeping next to you and being there with it. Basking the light of the moment, maybe the liminal space of unemployment. It's uncomfortable, you don't know what's next, you don't have control, but to be there for that. To bask in the light of the moment of a relationship that's ending, the pain, the grief you so want to not be there for, just to bask, bask even in that. To bask in the light of the moment of maybe a new friendship, maybe being seen truly in a way you'd never been seen before. To bask in the light of that moment. What would that look like? And so as we finish this story, remember at the beginning, Jesus was saying, the kingdom of heaven, it's like this story. The fullness of life, like this story. Experiencing aliveness now, you know what that's like? He says it's, it's, like, it's like this. And so you've got the five mindless, in the dark, five mind full in the light. And in the story, as weddings do, it gets delayed. And they're waiting, and everyone falls asleep. So five fall asleep in the dark. Five fall asleep in the light. And in their slumber comes a knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And they're awakened. It's time for the party. It's time for the fullness of life. It's time to experience aliveness now. And so the mindless five awaken in the dark and they miss the party. The mindful five awaken in the light just in time for the party. And so what's the point here? What, what's the point that Jesus is trying to make? And I propose he's saying this, that the light of this moment awakens you to the fullness of life. That the light of this, this moment, this moment, awakens you to aliveness now. Or we could say maybe aliveness now can only be, can only be awakened in this moment, in the light of this moment. Let me say that again. That the light of the moment awakens you to what's alive now. What's alive now can only be awakened to in this, this moment. Thich Nhat Hanh says it like this. It says, we are not capable of being alive in the present moment. We always postpone being alive to the future. We don't know exactly when. It is possible we will never be truly alive our entire life. He says, to be truly here 
now, to enjoy this, this present moment is our most important task. You know, so last year during COVID, I couldn't handle being waterboarded by isolation anymore, just being stuck in my house and wandering the streets. And so I started uh, wandering the roads of this country. I was on the road for six weeks, lived in my van. I meandered up to Montana through New Mexico and Colorado and Wyoming. And I got to Montana and I met with some friends and we went for four days of uh, bike packing. And so it was gonna be four days, 16,000 feet of climbing. We were outside of Bozeman and the gravelies and just the most gorgeous landscape. And so on our first day, we were climbing, 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 climbing. There were um, five of us. And then we were descending down, we were gonna set up camp. And as we were descending, the host who planned the whole route, who's from that area, uh, he crashes. Goes down pretty hard. And apparently everyone in Montana has satellite phones, so they call for help and he gets picked up and he leaves. But before he takes off, um, he's got to give us the route. So the other three guys are from Montana. I was like, you guys got this. And I remember them pulling out a map, like a paper map. And our friend, the host, I remember him pointing to a specific place and he goes, whatever you do, like whatever you do, do not go on this route. The next morning we woke up and we found ourselves on that route. And so on that day, it was a seven hour day. I rode my bike for 10 minutes that day. For the remaining six hours and 50 minutes, I pushed my bike, which was loaded, probably like a 50, 60 pound bike, up a mountain 6,000 feet. Like at one point it was so steep, I had my bike on the ground, I was on top of it, and I was dragging my bike up a mountain. And the worst part of the day wasn't even that. The worst part of the day, out of seven hours, it was six hours of horse flies. Just, just brutal. So we get to the top, it was a long, long, hard, big day. And two of the guys, they get to the top and they go, that was fun, I'd do that again. And I go to them, one, you're dumb. Two, that was a life IQ test and you just failed. And I remember sitting there, it was gorgeous. We were in the valley, sun was setting. And I remember thinking to myself, how many proverbial mountains, career mountains, familial mountains, academic mountains, achievement mountains, physical mountains, just to feel alive. My whole life, I've deferred aliveness to the next job, to the next relationship, to the next book, the next city, the next promotion, the next car, the next house. And the point of Jesus' story is that the aliveness the fullness of life that's promised can only exper be experienced in the light of this, this moment, this moment right here, right now. And friends, what would it look like? How would it change our relationship to ourselves, the earth, to each other, if we spent 
more time basking in the light of the moment, this moment that brings us alive? Who are the relationships that we have in our life that bring us alive, that they don't need anything from us? They truly see us. They see our beauty. They mirror back to us our beauty and our aliveness. Who are those people? What are the creative endeavors that we're doing, that we're in it, we're in the moment, and it brings us alive? Where are the places of beauty that bring us into our bodies, our senses, our feelings, our smell that brings us alive? And do we trust what David White says, that anything or anyone that does not bring us alive is too small for us? And so friends, as we reimagine time to bask in the light of this moment, just little tiny breaks from the wild river of our mind, to experience what Jesus says is the fullness of life. It's the kingdom of God. It's the timeless life. It's being alive here and now. And so this is my prayer for us, these words from David White. It says, when the rhythm of the heart becomes hectic, time takes on the strain until it breaks. Then all unattended stress falls in on the mind like an endless increasing weight. You have been forced to enter empty time. The desire that drove you has relinquished. There is nothing else to do now but rest and patiently learn to receive the self you have forsaken in the race of days. At first your thinking will darken and sadness will take over like listless weather. The flow of unwept tears will frighten. You have traveled too fast, too far over false ground. Now your soul has come to take you back. Take refuge in your senses. Open up to all the small miracles you rushed through. Draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you. Gradually, you will return to yourself having learned a new respect for your heart and the joy that dwells far within. Slow time. We pray this in the name of the divine mystery and in the expansive joy in the ground of being. So Ecclesia, as we just heard from Pastor Gideon, it's my privilege to now invite you and welcome you to the table where we take intentional time to remember 
and celebrate Christ's death and resurrection. And it's an invitation to be present with God, to be present in the moment, to not get lost in time, uh, but that God longs to be present with us, that God stepped into time, that God took on flesh and blood, and that God longs to be with us, that he's here with us now. So as we come to the table, I wanna invite you to take some time to reflect, to look inward, to be present with God, with yourself, with all of the things about you that are wonderful and all the things about you that you long and hope for transformation. Would you be honest with yourself and with God in these moments? Would you pray this prayer of confession with me? I'll pray as a celebrant and you can respond as the people. But God, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. And altogether, you are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. And so, Ecclesia, we come to this place where we pause to remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his closest followers, that he was present with them for a meal. And at one point in the meal, he took a piece of bread and he stood up, he gave thanks, he blessed God, and then he broke it and he gave it to his followers and he said, take this and eat, it's my body broken for you. And in the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and again, he gave thanks, he blessed God. And then he said to them, take this and drink, it's my blood poured out for you. And it establishes a new covenant in my blood. And so Ecclesia, my prayer for you is that you're able to be fully present, that as we taste and drink today, that you would know God's presence with you, that you would be fully present to him, to those you love, uh, and to what God's called us to, that you would receive his forgiveness, that you would proclaim his death and resurrection in everywhere you go. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.
silence of the heart In the silence of the heart You satisfy me Till I am quiet and confident In the work of the Spirit I cannot see You satisfy me Till I am quiet and confident In the work of the Spirit I cannot see silence of the heart you speak in the silence of the heart you speak and it is there that I will know you and you will know me in the silence of the heart you speak you speak in the silence Ecclesia, now is the time that we get to be sent out by this benediction. This is a blessing today that Pastor Keith shared with our staff earlier this week, and I'd love to share it with you. It's from Jan Richardson's book titled Circle of Grace. This one is called Blessing the Ordinary. Let these words lay themselves like blessings upon your head and your shoulders as if like hands they could pass on to you what you most need for this day, as if they could anoint you, not merely for the path ahead, but for this ordinary moment that opens itself to you. Ecclesia, friends, receive this blessing this day. Go and dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.